0: Good evening and welcome to our evening service at Beckles Baptist Church. My name is Peter Skerritt and I serve as the assistant pastor of this church. Uh, We're really glad that you can join us online and we hope and pray that one day you'll be able to join us in person again sometime soon. Today, uh, if you didn't know, is uh, considered in the church calendar Trinity Sunday, which is a day where uh, across the globe Christians and churches alike confess and celebrate their faith in a unique God, who is one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And to start us off, and to confess our trust and faith in him too, uh, we're gonna read together the words of the Apostles' Creed, which will come up on the screen. Now these words, uh, this creed is really a summary, succinct summary of what Christians have always believed. And it seeks to kind of convey the, the, the core elements of, of who this God is and what he's done and and it breaks down into a very trinitarian structure father son and spirit so please read with me it begins i believe in god i believe in god the father almighty creator of heaven and earth i believe in jesus christ his only son our lord who was conceived by the holy spirit born of the virgin mary suffered under pontius pilate and a life everlasting. Amen. It was great to be able to to confess that faith with the the Holy Catholic Church. That means the the universal church across all time, across all places. And so we're gonna pray now uh, to this same God that we share. So let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you that you are like uh, no other God, Uh, that has ever been made known or talked of in this world. You're nothing like we could possibly imagine. And yet we thank you that you've made yourself known in your Son. Thank you that he is the image of the invisible God. Thank you that you have made him known by your Spirit to us. And we pray that in this time together as we uh, hear your words, as we hear the the Father speak through the Son by the Spirit, that we might be drawn to worship and praise. Please, Make us glad uh, in your works. Help us to see the wisdom of your deeds and protect us from being senseless and foolish. Help us to be wise as we hear from you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we're going to turn now uh, to God's Word. So please do pick up your copy of of God's Word wherever it is in your house. Maybe you need to pause right now and go and grab a Bible. Uh, We're going to be carrying on now our series in 1 John which was a letter written by the Apostle John, one of Jesus's friends to a a group of churches, probably in um, Asia Minor, so kind of Turkey region today. And we're in 1 John chapter two, and Mary Clark will be reading for us, starting from verse 18.
1: John chapter two, verse 18 to the end. Dear children, this is the last hour. And as you have heard, that the Antichrist is coming. Even now, many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. But if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. But you have anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lies come from the truth. Who is the liar? Is it? It is whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist, denying the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. As for you, see that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you will also remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what he promised us, eternal life. I am writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. As for you, the anointing you received from him remains in you, And you do not need anyone to teach you, but as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. This is the word of the Lord.
0: Thanks, Mary. Uh, We're going to turn to that now. So please do keep open uh, that letter of 1 John. We're going to pray and ask God to speak through it to us today. We thank you, Father, that these are your uh, God-breathed words, uh, that they they bear the mark of uh, the human author, John, and the situation he's in, and yet at the same time, uh, they are words spoken from you uh, to us. I pray that you'd use them to make us wise, teach us to trust Jesus, and correct us where necessary in our thinking uh, and in our our behaviour. We pray that we might be transformed and changed as a result of what we hear from John and from you today. In Jesus' name, and for his glory in the church, we pray. Amen. Well, the hours between 4 and 5 p.m., for most families in most households, especially when you have children, are times fraught with difficulty and danger. Now, the hour between 4 and 5 is the last hour before tea time for many families, certainly our families. And there are dangers that you need to be forewarned of so that you can be forearmed. There's the danger of grumpy, tired, hungry children. Not to mention grumpy, tired, and hungry parents. Uh, The last hour before tea time is a crucial time full of difficulties. And John writes in this letter, chapter 2, that's the big number 2, verse 18, little number 18. Dear children... This is the last hour. Now, it's not the last hour before tea time. John is saying this is the last hour. If you were to to put the span of history into 24 hours, he's saying we're in the last hour. It's nearly the end of the age. Jesus is nearly back. Time is nearly up. We're in the last hour. And John is writing to this church and saying, guys, life in the last hour, well, you need to be prepared. These are four things to look out for in life in the last hour. The first thing is this, that we're to look out for, a revealing departure, a revealing departure. Now, in verse 19, we we see that this church John's writing to have seen many in their church depart from their fellowship. In, In verse 19, John says, talks of those who went out from us. These are, these are people in the church who, who were in the church for a long time. And then they just up and leave and, and go and set up camp elsewhere. Of course, they're still saying they're Christians. Uh, we've called them uh, the, the leavers. Uh, they've left the church. And of course, for those remaining, those who stayed behind, the question is, should I stay or, or should I go with them? Should I remain or, or should I leave? Am I right? Have I got Christianity right or, or have they There's a crisis of confidence. And John's intention has been throughout the letter to reassure the Remainers that they can be confident in their Christianity. But it is this departure that has set everything going. But it's not just a departure from the fellowship, from the church that has shaken them. Actually, John is saying that they've not just departed from the fellowship. These people who left, they've departed from... The faith. Carry on in verse 19. John says this that they went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. Their going showed it was a a revealing departure. It's not, I mean, serious enough to leave a church, that's a, a big matter. But John is saying, no, they've done more than that. They've actually left the faith. Just to, to show you that. John, John doesn't say, interestingly, uh, they left you. Is it, he's writing to a church, he's not a member of that church, he's not there, but he says, they've left us. They've departed from us. Not just you, the church, but they have departed from us, the apostles. Us, the eyewitnesses. Us, Jesus' first ambassadors and representatives. And that's a big thing. Because in chapter 1, verse 3, John has already said this. We apostles proclaim to you what we've seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son. John is saying, yet they've left us, the apostles, and our message, which means they've left God himself. They've departed not just from the fellowship, but from the faith. And of course, this kind of departure continues today. We live in the last hour, just as they did. And we are to expect the same things. And John is saying to us that these things, they should sadden us, they should sober us, but they mustn't shake us or surprise us. Now, for some of us, it should be sobering. For one thing, we see here that the possibility, it is perfectly possible for any one of us to depart from the faith, to depart from what we have believed at first. And perhaps you know that from sad experience, as you've seen loved ones who are following Jesus and then they leave him, they turn their back on him. Maybe you know that from painful experience. Departure is possible. And it should sober us that John speaks of the possibility that you could be sharing the fellowship on the Sunday, but not sharing the fellowship with us and God Himself. You might be in fellowship with the church, but not with God. And that is serious. And, and maybe if you've been joining us for the past few weeks, looking through the book of 1 John, that is something that's being flagged up to you. And you're wondering, well, actually, do I, does this mark me out? Do I have true fellowship? With God, it should sober us that departure is possible. But John is saying, though, it it shouldn't surprise you and it shouldn't shake you. Now, deconversion stories or or stories uh, of how people have lost their faith are all the rage at the moment. You could look in any number of newspapers or Christian magazines and and see celebrity Christian, uh, significant Christians who, well, it turns out, don't want to be Christian anymore. And for the average Christian, that that could be surprising and and slightly confusing. Well, if they're not a Christian, have I got it wrong? And John is saying, no. Departure has always been part of the time of the last hour and it shouldn't surprise us, it should sadden us. But we shouldn't be shaken by it. That's one mark of the last hour. But we, we need to move on to see, well, what is it that they've done, these levers? to actually depart from the faith. The second thing to look out for in the last hour is a deadly denial. Now John is not backwards and coming forwards. If you've read anything through this letter, the fact that he calls these people who've left the church antichrists and liars, we are thinking, whoa, well, John, that's, that's strong. He's, he's saying they're antichrists, they're against Christ. Like antibac or antiviral stuff is is against bacteria or against viruses. Well, antichrists are people who are against Christ. It has a big thing to say, and in verse 22, he carries on. He says, "Who is the liar? It is whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a person is the antichrist, denying the Father and the Son." What are they denying? Well, it seems here that they're denying that Jesus is the Christ. But when you put that phrase together with a number of other denials in the the book, the letter, chapter four and chapter five, it seems that this is more shorthand for any attack, for a particular attack, perhaps, on Jesus, on his person and his work, on, on who he is in his nature, and what he's done in his work. Perhaps you can imagine something like this. Somebody coming along and saying, yeah, well, yeah, perhaps Jesus was a, a godly man, a, even a, a godlike man, maybe even a God-filled man, but not the God-man, not, not truly God, not truly man. They're denying Jesus, the Son. Or consider his work. Someone may well come along and say, yeah, I agree with you. Jesus did die on a cross but it was surely just a loving gesture or or a bold example or a a martyr's death and certainly not a a penal substitution a a punishment swap where he swapped in for us sinners and took our punishment to see what they're, they're doing they are denying the person and the work of Jesus Christ and We're told by John that this is a deadly denial, quite literally deadly, because it it cuts them off from the source of life itself. He carries on in verse 23. No one who denies the Son has the Father, but whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. So to deny the Son is to deny the Father. And to deny the Father is to cut yourself off from the source of life. And when you do that, well, what's left is death. The opposite of eternal life, which which starts now and stretches on into heaven, is eternal death, which starts now and stretches on into hell. And it's for this reason that John is saying this is a deadly denial. It really matters. And, And granted at this point, and whether you're tuning in for the first time or um, actually you're a regular member of the church, I think many of us will be squirming in our seats and feeling slightly like, well, John, isn't this just a, a little bit short-sighted? Um, it's a bit exclusive, just, just a tinsy bit pernickety. I mean, what does it matter? If someone says they love Jesus and they want to follow him, Well, well, what does it really matter if this Jesus is slightly different to the way that you view him? Well, to answer that, we we need to go back to an old philosophy conundrum. Uh, You may have heard this. Uh, Philosophers have argued about it for years. I want you to imagine a broomstick. An old broom that you would use to sweep up the yard. Now, take the broom. After a good bit of use, the the handle begins to wear down. So you have to change and replace the handle. Uh, And then... uh, Your brush is beginning to wear out. Maybe the bristles are falling out and you need to replace the brush, the broom bit of it. And then you've got to ask the question, do you still have the same broom? Well, I don't care what the philosophers say. They may well say, no, Uh, I think you don't have the same broom whatsoever. So you've got a new handle, you've got a new brush. It's not the same broom. Now take Jesus. If you were to change or, or tweak his, his humanity, and to say, well, yeah, he, he was human for a while, uh, but he didn't stay human. Or take his deity, his, his Godhead, he, he seemed really like God-filled, God filled, God empowered. And maybe he was even a God, but not the eternal God, not the one true, unique God. That's who he is. Well, maybe then you were just to tweak just a little bit what he came to do. Maybe you'd change uh, how he died or uh, who it exactly was on the cross he was dying, whether it was God or not who was dying on the cross or, or why he died, what the purpose of that death was. And tweak after tweak, change after change, do you have the same Jesus? Well, I'm going to say no. No, you don't. You've lost the one person who can deal with the the punishment and penalty that every one of us is deserving for our sin against the Holy God. If if he's only only truly a man can take the, the penalty for man's sin. Only someone who is truly God can absorb and endure God's wrath. And and if you tweak any bit of that, well, you lose the whole bundle. You lose a saviour. But the wonderful truth that John is trying to defend, he's not just being negative, he's trying to put this out here, and he's saying, no, no, Jesus really is truly man, which means he can represent me and you, because he was a man who would take on man's sin. And he was truly God, which means he can actually absorb fully and forever the penalty of a holy God's punishment on sin. And that is great news, which is why John is so desperate to see that anything that denies that is deadly. That is why it's so important that you know Jesus and the true Jesus. That's why we love telling people about him. And if if you're tuning in in the past few weeks and you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, we we really want you to know this Jesus. Maybe... uh, Get in touch, ask for for a gospel that you could read more about who he is. Do keep joining us on a Sunday just to find out more about what he's done. Maybe consider joining us at our new event story, uh, find out more about that in the notices. But whatever it is, it's really important that you get to know him. And if we're Christian, well, it's really vital that we don't deny him, that we, we don't distort who he is, that we don't just disregard him or disown him. It's vital we know the Jesus of the Bible. See, it's a deadly denial, and what's even worse, he says in the last hour, it's gonna spread. The third thing we need to be watching out for in the last hour is potential deception. Potential deception. See, not it's, it's pretty difficult for the, the people who are left behind in this church, it would be one thing for their friends to have left the fellowship, another thing for their friends to have left the faith. But the fact is they've not even left the area and they are there and they are persuasive. They're they're not content, these leavers, to just drink down their own deadly concoction of so-called Christianity. They're actually actively advertising and promoting and exporting their own toxic brand. And because it's labeled Christianity, well, Boy, is it persuasive. In verse 26, John warns them. He says, I'm, I'm writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. And it, it is so deadly, but it is so deceptive. It, it's like antifreeze in, in a bottle of wine. Now, I could be wrong, but I don't imagine many people will go to the supermarket look up a fine glass of antifreeze uh, on the shelf and then take it home pop it open and drink it uh, over their spaghetti bolognese one night with a glass but label it wine and many people have found themselves doing exactly that wine laced with antifreeze but because it's labeled wine we we think nothing of it and we drink it down and again uh, who here would go actively to a supermarket and think, today I really feel like mm, um, some horse lasagna. Well, no one. But again, label it beef lasagna and pretty much everyone will buy it. And that is what happened a few years ago with the the Linda scandal, where people found that there was actually horse meat in a lot of so-called beef lasagna, ready-made meals. You see, the label is misleading. And deceptive, and therefore all the more deadly. But that's what's happening here for John's church, and it happens today. That the potential for deception is everywhere. Now, I think we're, we're not that likely to be deceived by uh, what we'd call other religions. A Hindu or a Muslim would be quite clear themselves that we don't have the same beliefs about things. But, when you are confronted uh, with one of the the cults in our country, uh, Jehovah's Witnesses or or the Mormons who might step on your doorstep or um, meet you in the street, and they'll claim to be the true Christian church. That is what they say, and that we are apostate. We've turned from the true faith. That's uh, just in the the cults. But actually, you'll find it in many so-called churches and on many so-called Christian channels. I mean, even if you were just to flick on TBN, you you would find not all, but some people who have distorted and denied who Jesus is and what he's done. And it's called Christianity. And so the potential for deception is there. Now, we don't have time now um, to to talk about how we discern the difference. Uh, We're going to leave that to chapter four in 1 John where he deals with exactly how how you sort out the false from the true. And that's really important. But for now, it's enough to say that the potential for deception is there on your doorstep. It's there on your screens. And this point, I hope that some of you are asking the question, didn't we label this, uh, this series confident Christianity? Because from what I'm hearing, it doesn't sound like we can be confident at all. I mean, there's departures from the faith, denial of Christ, deception everywhere. Well, how can we be a confident Christian in a world like this? And John says, no, there's there's a fourth thing you need to know about life in the last hour. We have a strong defense. Sure, the dangers are there, but we have all the resources we need. John says in verse 24, as for you, See that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you also will remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what he promised us. Eternal life. He's got it there. Where, where is your strong defense? Verse 24. What you have heard from the beginning. Nothing new. What you have heard from the beginning. It's, it's the gospel You've already heard, confirmed to us by, by the Spirit you've already received. What is your strong defence? The gospel you've already heard, propped up, confirmed, attested to by the Spirit you have already received. It's as if in, in verse 26, John is saying, guys, I, I know that there are a whole load of new ideas, right, left and centre, and, and you're wondering which is right. And he says in verse 27, you don't need any new teaching. You don't need anyone to teach you. Verse 27, as for you, the anointing, that is the Holy Spirit, the anointing, the Holy Spirit you received from him remains in you. And you do not need anyone to teach you. Of course, John's not saying here that we don't need any teachers. Well, what's John doing? But teaching the church. He's not saying you don't need teachers and pastors and elders. He's saying you don't need any new teaching. You don't need their special teaching because you've already got the best teacher you could possibly have. The Holy Spirit living in you. Verse 27, he carries on. But as his anointing teaches you about all things and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, real, like he's truthful. He doesn't tell lies. He doesn't get things wrong. Well, just as it has taught you, Remain in him. This is the Holy Spirit who who remains in believers, if you're a Christian, and will reassure you of the truth you've already heard. That is the spirit of truth, and so that's his job. He he convinced you when you became a Christian that it was true, that Jesus really was the God-man, that Jesus was the only rescuer for sins. He convinced you it was true, and he will continue to bring that to your heart to convince you of it. One writer calls, it, calls the Holy Spirit a constant witness in our hearts, persuading the, the kind of the skeptics that rise up in our heart. A constant witness. And we, and we have the best teacher, as any good teacher does. This Holy Spirit, he, he, he knows the truth. He's well able to teach the truth. He's well able to help us understand the truth. And then as with every other good teacher, he's able to fully persuade his pupils to persuade us that the gospel we heard once before when we believed first is true. What is your strong defense in the last hour? When John says it is the gospel you've already heard, brought to life, brought to mind, brought to bear by the spirit you have already received. PPE has been in the news a fair bit recently protective or well, personal protective equipment uh, with the COVID-19 crisis all of our key workers going into hospitals and schools and where else, wherever need personal protection uh, visors and gloves and masks and the like and so all sorts of expenses and energy have gone into to sourcing proper protection for our key workers because without protection they are vulnerable and liable to death but with protection while well, they can go and do their job be active and engaged. Well, what about the Christian? John says, you've already got your PPE, your protective equipment, your strong defense, the gospel you've already heard, with the spirit you've already received. Now, what key worker would walk into James Paget Hospital expecting to be of any use without any of their PPE? No, they, they know that they're vulnerable, and they know they need their protection. And once they've got that, they can get on confidently in their work. But consider the Christian who um, is really just longing after looking for any newfangled fad or theological idea, is really happy to flick on YouTube and just, or or any other TV channel and, and watch anybody who calls themselves a Christian, even if it doesn't really sound like what they've heard before. Or consider the Christian who actually loves to stick with what they've heard before, loves to read their Bible, loves to read great systematic theologies. But how often do they pray that God by his spirit would bring it and bring it to bear on their hearts and convince them and assure them of that? Or consider uh, the Christian who is, to be honest, pretty content with a a childlike faith, uh, superficial. They're a bit fuzzy exactly on what the gospel really is. But they're not that fussed about that either, because after all, God just wants a childlike faith. And of course, that is true. But to my mind, at least, these people, these Christians, are like a health worker walking into the Paget Hospital without their PPE, without their protection. They will find themselves vulnerable and liable to death. And John is writing, saying that there is real danger. The last hour, life in the last hour, is fraught with difficulties. But you're not without defence. And with the gospel you've already heard and the spirit you've already received, well, you can live as confident Christians in this last hour. John writes, as for you, see that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. Let's pray together. We thank you Father for this rather um, sobering passage in one sense just reminding us of what to expect. And uh, we mourn when we we see uh, the results of what what is promised of departure from the faith, of people denying the true Christ, seeking to deceive others. We do pray against that, that uh, that would not succeed Because we long for people to know life in the true Son of God. We thank you that we have heard of him in the gospel message of the apostles. We thank you that we've been convinced of this by your spirit. And we pray that as a church and as individuals, you would keep us strong with this gospel in our hands and with your spirit in our hearts. Please keep us strong in this last hour. And we ask that for your glory in this world. Amen. Or having said uh, just how important it is for us that we believe and know the, the true Jesus. We're gonna read to get a, a portion from one of Paul's letters to the church in Col- Colossae. Colossians chapter one will come up on your screen and is really a, a simple confession of what the early church thought of who Jesus was and what he did. We're gonna read uh, from verse 15, it will come up on the screen and please read this with me as a kind of assertion and declaration of your faith in him. Of course, if that's not you, just listen in, see how the Bible describes the the Son of God, Jesus Christ. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. We're gonna turn now uh, to pray. We're gonna do things slightly differently tonight, giving us a chance for a bit more interaction in prayer. Uh, We're gonna pray uh, through three things. Um, and a slide will come up on the screen, just directing you uh, we 'll have a time for personal prayer at home before I close just by leading us together for that particular point. Paul writes, "The sun is the in- image of the invisible God we 're going to take some time now to adore him for who he is in himself. Pick an attribute, pick a characteristic of this God and praise him, whether it's he's holy or loving, immortal, invisible or a speaking God. We praise you Father for the fact that you are uh, invisible and incomprehensible far beyond our understanding and sight and knowledge and yet at the same time a God who deigns to make himself known to us whilst we don't know everything we praise you that we can know truly what you are like because you are a revealing God you've made yourself visible in your Son the exact imprint of your nature, and we thank you for that. Amen. Paul continues later in Colossians, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behaviour. Now as Christians redeemed and restored, it is still right that we confess uh, the evil thoughts in our minds and the evil behaviour in our lives. Just in this past week, so take some time to do that now, asking for his forgiveness. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. That's a, a miracle and a mercy to us, Father, that in your Son we might be considered without blemish and free from accusation. We thank you that your Son has paid for every sin that it has been laid on him by faith as so we trust in him. We thank you for that great mercy. Please keep us humbled as we remember our sin. Amen. Finally, Paul writes, he is the head of the body. That is, Jesus is the head of the body, the church. Now ask now for his protection for his people across the world. There will be a number of countries that come up on the screen. Pray for protection for these people of Jesus. Lord God, we pray specifically as we close for uh, Christians in North Vietnam, particularly a a group of over 100 or so individuals. Uh, Reports are that they were denied food packages and aid uh, because of their faith in Jesus. The accusation being that uh, their, their God could look after them, so why should the government? Lord God, we pray that you would provide for your people in that country that they might not disown you because of the, um, the pressure they receive and uh, what they lose for following you. Please would you provide their daily bread particularly for that group of over a hundred individuals and families. We pray that you might even prove uh, their opponents wrong show them uh, that you do provide for your people whilst they were mocking we pray that they would be humbled as they see you provide miraculously for your people and their daily needs. We pray that you'd protect uh, your people in North Vietnam, uh, that you would keep them safe from illness, from starvation, from violence, and just being uh, maligned in society. But above all, we, uh, we pray that you might promote their freedoms there, uh, to live for Christ, to speak for him, and that they might uh, not be oppressed and persecuted for their faith in Jesus. Please use them as a great witness and a shining light in that small region of your big world. We ask that for your glory in Vietnam particularly. Amen. Well, we're going to turn now to sing two songs. The first one is an old song speaking of the man of sorrows and just a great reminder of the Jesus that we believe in what he did and who he was became a man of sorrows for us and then we'll sing straight after that be thou my vision which is exactly what John is calling us to do to make sure that the God that we believe in who's revealed in Jesus is our all and everything and that he dwells deeply in us.
2: So vision O Lord of my heart not be all else to me say that thou art thou my best thought by day or by night waking or sleeping thy presence my light Thou my true- sword for the fight. Be Thou my dignity, be Thou my might. Thou my soul shelter, and Thou my high tar. Raise Thou me inward, praise Thou mine inheritance now and always Thou and Thou only the first in my heart High King of heaven my treasure thy
0: But before we finish our service, just to flag up a few notices in the coming weeks for you. Firstly, as always, we've put together some playlists of songs for the morning and evening service on YouTube. And uh, hopefully you can enjoy singing along to them. Uh, secondly, we have produced two podcasts uh, recently on, our book, on the book we've been reading, Enjoying God. Two came out on Friday, two more coming out this Friday. And then thirdly, on Thursday, we have our home groups continuing as normal. Do get in touch with a home group leader if you're not sure what's happening there. Secondly, the big thing I want to pick up and highlight to you is a new initiative we've got starting on the 17th of June called Story. It's an opportunity, particularly for people who are looking into the Christian faith, to see how Jesus's story, big story, fits with our story and how we fit into his. And we're going to do that by looking at one of Jesus' own best love stories, uh, the prodigal son in particular. We're going to watch a quick video clip now just to introduce what's going to happen, and then I'll give you some more details. Everyone loves a good story, whether it's a romance or crime, horror or sci-fi films, with heroes and villains, twists and turns, great feats and great flops. Everyone loves a good story. And everyone's got their own story, complete with heroes and villains, with twists and turns, with great feats and great flops. Now, where does Jesus fit into your story? Or if you were to put the question the other way around, where do you fit into his story? Now, wherever you're at, whatever your story, we'd love you to join us at Story. Together, we'll dip into some of Jesus' best-known stories. Stories that show how his story connects with my story and your story. Now, the aim is to let Jesus do the talking, and you could do the questioning. And if you'd rather just sit back and listen, that's no problem either. Story starts online on June the 17th, Wednesday at 8 o'clock, and will be done within the hour. If you're interested, just send me an email on this address below, And we'll give you all the info you need. We really hope you'll be able to join us at Story to see what his story means for your story. I hope that uh, video filled you in a bit on what we've been doing and what we're planning to do for Story and that it excited you for the the prospect. If you are uh, a a Christian and you're thinking, well, I can think of some friends who might be interested in that, please share that video online, but please proactively invite people. You never know uh, what people might say. And maybe you wouldn't call yourself a Christian and you've just been tuning in for the last few weeks and you'd like to find out uh, a bit more. Uh, please get in touch. Uh, My email address is at the bottom of the page, and I'd love to hear from you, even if it's just a query about what is happening. Uh, Do join us at Story on the 17th of June. And finally, just to flag up that next week uh, is slightly different. Uh, We were due to have as a church our church day away and barbecue. Um, We're still uh, delighted to have Dougie uh, Affleck uh, come and join us, preaching in in the morning for us by video. Uh, But in the evening, we are deciding that, as planned, we're not going to have an evening service with the intention that you will be free to go and find a garden somewhere, sit with someone uh, in the church family, uh, suitably socially distanced, and just to share fellowship with one another, uh, not in the formal way that we often do, but maybe in an informal, friendly way. So please think about who, who could you get in touch with? Who could you spend some time with next Sunday evening? To close, we're just going to read some words, a prayer, Uh, from Paul at the end of Romans chapter 15. Paul says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Go well this week.